Welcome to What About You. This is episode eight and in this episode Claire and I are having a chat about parenting. When Claire first suggested this topic I was initially a little bit hesitant. I feel that this subject can be quite polarising in opinions and often an area that we can feel judgement for. My daughters are young at four and six. We've not yet had to deal with fashion conversations, arguments about boyfriends or girlfriends and haven't yet had to deal with the issues of phones or social media. I'm very conscious about this and I'm also very aware that all parents are in different situations, have got different obstacles to deal with and have different children as well as coming from different upbringings. Um, In this conversation, um, Claire and I are fundamentally going to be speaking about our experiences and how we feel we are as parents and um, are both very aware that being parents are one of the best things we've ever done but also there are a lot of uh, problems that can come along with it or issues that can come along with parenting challenges challenges thank you Claire Um, and yeah we're going to explore all of that in the conversation so Claire, do you want to kind of fill everybody in? And I think if people have listened to episodes before, they, they know that you've got two children. Um, do you want to give a wee bit of background about you and your kids? Yeah, yeah so I've got Cameron, who's my eldest, and I had him when I was very young. And I felt really I was still a child then, mm-hmm. although I was in my early 20s. But my life at that time when I had him... And I didn't actually realize I was pregnant at the time in a happy um, relationship, luckily. And um, I say he's 19 now, but at the time I was early 20s and I didn't know I was pregnant. I didn't have a maternal bone in my body. Um, But as soon as I had him, there was a a massive U-turn of being responsible and nurturing and loving this child. And but completely different for Poppy, where I was a lot older and she's only two we really tried to have this child and we prepared and you know it's completely different mm-hmm. so yeah so poppy's two a big huge age, age gap but mm-hmm. and huge different types of challenges <laughs> and do you feel that the different situations and with poppy you were actively trying to have a baby do you feel that that impacted your parenting in any way with the two or was it was it purely just the age sure, being different we've spoken about this my husband and I and I think because I was so young and so naive and I just let things happen when I have had Cameron life just just happened mm-hmm. you know I didn't go to many baby clubs I didn't really speak or really know anyone at my age that had babies because all my friends were still clubbing partying and I kind of missed out and lost out on that, which was mm-hmm. fine because I loved being a mum. Mm-hmm. But whereas now with Poppy, you've got so much sources and you know information available that can not just inform you but make you scared as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel this time around, not just being a bit more of an anxious mum, you, you would assume, oh, I'll be walking the park, I'll be fine. But it's second time around, I think I'm more nervous, I'm more anxious, I'm more aware of what can go wrong. Yeah with regards to illnesses and all sorts and mm-hmm. you know whereas my big being young and naive and just letting things happen and not having social media around or even so much books 
I didn't even think you had books of books for so many topics yeah. as you do now. Um, I just was so relaxed and laid back and maybe a bit too laid back, mm. to be honest, but it worked for us. Yeah. And I yeah. kind of wish I had that little bit element now. Mm. <laughs> and that's funny because, you know, there prob- I can imagine there was still lots and lots of parenting books and, you know, if if you had put yourself in that space with Cameron to mm-hmm. get all that information then and speak to mums and compare nappies and compare sleeping and, a, yeah. you know, is he sleeping on his side or his back or, or, you know, and as soon as you start to have all those conversations, then you start to doubt, am I doing the right thing? You know, am I being a good mum? Am I doing all of that? And, yeah. you know, that that avenue probably was still there for you with Cameron, but you just didn't put yourself in that position then that takes the pressure off it you know I think so yeah you're right and I think at the time I just relied on family to teach me and guide me the way and those grandparents or aunties that would say oh this is what you do this is what we did in my day Uh and wrap them up in a bundle tight and I would think well okay then if that's what you say now you've got so much choice and so much reason behind that or you can't do that because there's there's evidence or this might happen and you are wary and you do want to do your own investigating Mm -hmm. and that's why parenting I think nowadays is so much more niche to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, like, you're right. And when when there's so many different ways of doing things, you can read all these different ways of doing things, but ultimately it comes down to you and your baby and how you feel. But whenever there's kind of different methods of, say, getting them to sleep, for example, whenever they're babies, you do doubt yourself, like, am I doing the right thing? Is this the right thing? Yeah. Should I be trying that? Should, you know? You're right, you can't help but compare yeah. because you have so many different clubs of people in the same boat as you. Mm-hmm. And you hear or you see evidence of them sleeping really well or them putting on weight really well. Yeah. And yeah. you think, well, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Because I'm breastfeeding what you're meant to be doing. And for example, my daughter didn't put much weight on at all. Yeah. But it turns out that she's so active yeah. and she's constantly on the go. That was the reason yeah. because she was actually eating and drinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you, you can't help but judge in a you know in a, your own way am I doing that? Right? yourself yeah mm-hmm. and should I be doing this should I be doing that and because there's just so many views and options for so many different things and also when you've just had it well I don't know about you but we you know whenever whenever we first had Nia we had no idea how to parent like we my my fam, she was, she's the first grandchild in both of our families. Um, okay. So, like, we didn't have any nieces or nephews at that stage. We do now, but we didn't have any nieces or nephews at that stage to kind of practice on, like, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it was yeah. just such a shock to the system. And we had no idea what was going on. And I think with me, like, I focused so much on the pregnancy and the delivery and didn't really think about afterwards. And I remember one of my closest friends, um, who she I know she listens to this and she'll know who, she, who it is whenever she hears it. And her wee boy's a year older than Nia. And she said, um, oh yeah, they don't tell you that it's like the newborn stage is like harder than the birth. And, and I'm like, but you could have told me that, do you know? Like, yeah. why did you not tell me that? Like, that's a hard bit. So you think if that's a hard bit, that's a shock to the system. That's a sleepless nights. That's a, you know, I'm I'm trying to feed and I can't feed or I'm feeding too much or do you know and the, the yeah. midwife's telling me that I'm doing this wrong or whatever all of that you're not prepared for not at all yeah. with the sleepless nights as you mentioned yeah. in our previous podcast with yeah. sleep how important it is yeah. for cognitive and just 
our way of being. Yeah. If that's taken away as well, you then question, you know, so many things. Am I doing it right? Or I just can't cope? Yeah. Or thinking, or even having small niggles with your husband because yeah. they want to try and do the right thing and you think, just go away at the moment, yeah. you know? And yeah. I, I think I had... It was never diagnosed, but I think I had kind of a bit of postnatal depression after having Nia too. And I ended up going back into hospital about a week after having her. And then two weeks after having her, I had secondary hemorrhaging. Um, so I had, I felt, I felt, you know, the way that I felt, not just physically, but emotionally as well, I just wasn't myself. And I didn't ever know. I had nothing to compare it against. So I didn't know, is this normal after having mm. a baby or not? And you was your first. She was my first, yeah. So then I ended up back in hospital and then I struggled to feed. And it was just all of, and I just had no energy. I was severely anemic because of the hemorrhaging. And it was just such a shock, complete shock to the system yeah. um, for both of us because we had no idea what to expect. But even though if it's your first or this, your second, as you said never the same you, it's it's you're not you're not prepared you know no no my first birth where well, I think was pretty traumatic and again I couldn't ask or no one told me about mm-hmm. it but then the second one I was scared about mm-hmm. but in fact went so smoothly with hypnobirthing yeah which I didn't believe in at first yeah. and now I'm I'm an advocate yeah. for it most definitely yeah We've uh, that, that I think that would be something that would be quite interesting to kind of speak about in maybe a future episode because both of us, I did hypnobirthing with both Nia and Marlo um, and we got a lot from it. So I think that yes. would be something quite interesting to speak about. It would be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what have you learned about yourself since becoming a mum? I've learned that you have to be patient. and I'm not the best patient person ever, in fact, the world's worst patient person in everything I do and I get annoyed with myself but I think children encourage you and kind of force you to look at yourself in in this way and I have become more patient with Cameron and with Poppy Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong I'm not perfect I still Mm -hmm. am impatient but I think you do do tend to take a step back and think no you have to just let them do things at their own pace just things like that you kind of Mm -hmm. you are more patient Um, I suppose I've got so much love to give and you never realise that you give any more love when you have more children. You mm-hmm. think, this is my little bubble, but then more it grows, yeah. you know, it just becomes just more love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think they make you, and it sounds so cliche, and again, all positive stuff, but they make you a better version of yourself. But at the same time, they could probably make you a worse version of yourself too. Mm-hmm. They can bring out the worst in you because you're so tired and exhausted. But, um, yeah, I think I've definitely learned a lot about myself as a parent with regards to learnings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Cameron, different learnings with different children because of the big age gap. With Cameron, I think I become so responsible quickly because I had to. I didn't know what to expect. At the time, I was not maternal. I just become more responsible and just realise, okay, there'll be no drinking nights, no going out with friends. I still have parties at the house, but it was, I knew that I had to then save money or have a certain budget for the week ahead for our children, for, for Cameron. Mm-hmm. So I remember friends saying, oh, wow, you know, you're really good at doing this. And But for my head, that was the only way I could do it. So that's my learning. But there is parents I know that we don't know how to budget, how mm-hmm. to do that. And it's all a little bit confusing for them. Mm-hmm. 
but that was the main learning I think it's just suddenly being responsible I had this little person to look after you know whereas now you know I'm married in a secure family whereas Neil helps with that response responsibility too you're a team yeah team and I feel like a team Mm -hmm. this time around yeah Yeah. all about you um it's funny you mentioned about the patience thing because I remember whenever before before we had kids and we'd be like going out for a walk or whatever and you'd see people with a toddler and the toddler stopping and starting and going backwards and picking up leaves and and Andy said I remember at the time Andy was like you'll never be able to handle that like because if, if I go for a walk I go for a walk you know <laughs> um and, that's, and and but I did I don't think I ever really find that hard um, but now that they're at the age where I can put them on a bike and I can still go for a good walk and they can fly on ahead of me, definitely suits my um, me, me much better. So I think I've naturally became more patient without kind of having to try to be. Yeah. Um, so that would be a positive. And it's funny, whenever I, kind of, I was thinking about some questions for today, my, my answer in this was I've realised since becoming a parent that I've got a temper. Um, I never thought I had a temper and I'd never really reflected on it to be honest you know and I I think if you ask most people they would be like oh yeah you're you know you're a really calm person like I am quite calm um, and I think 95% of the time I am still calm but mm-hmm. boy they know how to push my buttons you yeah. know and it's and my, we were speaking about this before we hit record and it is in those days where it is just constant it's constant mum you know I'm hungry I'm thirsty um you know it's just all the time and I think by the end of the day that's when I realize my my fuse is short mm-hmm. um, but like I said this Andy and I were chatting about it yesterday and and he was like you don't have a temper and I was like no I do and I think it's because internally I feel myself not be me so whenever I feel that anger I feel that real hard frustration it doesn't Mm -hmm. sit well with me um but what I what I've been trying and I think this is kind of coming out of our kind of counseling training as well is being able to 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 recognize that emotion in myself and Mm -hmm. that it's okay to feel that you know that there's reasons why I'm feeling that frustration or that anger towards them um and then communicating that to the girls. So, like, if I do shout, which I'm the shouty one out of me and Andy, um, if I do shout or I do kind of get angry with them, that if, you know, I can take myself away from the situation until that anger calms down and then I can deal with it much more balanced. Or if I do lose my temper in front of them, I can then explain to them in it's appropriate language why mum is feeling like that and why mum's reacted like that but I'm very aware and I know I mentioned this at the beginning I'm very aware that um Nia and Marla were still very small and like I know that whenever they get older I'm going to be challenged even more from that Mm -hmm. so it's almost like I need to kind of be even more aware of it now so whenever they are teenagers and they are older that 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 is you know possibly different does but it's good that you can have that communication you can talk to them and let them know that it is it's okay express your feelings and no matter what that is if you're hurt yeah. crying angry yeah. it's okay and especially for girls to do that nowadays yeah yeah no yeah yeah 
And you know, and it is like we've we've spoken about this before, and there's such a stereotype for girls. You know, you shouldn't be angry, you shouldn't be cross, you shouldn't shout, you shouldn't do this. And the same, you know, with boys. You know, boys boys shouldn't cry or boys shouldn't do this. And you know, those kind of cultural stereotypes or those cultural pressures that we put on kids. You know, I don't I don't think that's right. And if we're kind of addressing that and letting them be them at such a young age, they're going mm-hmm. to be freer to be themselves as they grow up. And recognise easily what the emotions are yeah. without trying to hide it, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and be able to communicate it. No, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think you've got a parenting style? Um, Neil always used to say in early days, when he wasn't a parent, so how I was parenting Cameron, I'm a very French parent. Now, I have no idea how French parents already work, so it's quite... But what I mean by that is I will... If he, if Cameron was ever, like, naughty, hardly ever, but if ever, I would have a real, like, shout, that's enough, and mm-hmm. I would say that he was naughty. But then two minutes later, that's it done. We're friends. Yeah. We know soul kid, and but I've done my bit. That's mm-hmm. it. And you say, oh, that's really French. Maybe he's noticed something yeah. that's French. I don't know. But... Um, I've always just kept that with me in my French-style <laughs> parent. But I definitely liked, always been told Cameron, and I will tell Poppy, that you always treat people how you want to be treated. And mm. I guess I've done that with them too. It's treat them with pure respect and trust. Um, I know it's hard to trust a two-year-old because they are constantly lying about <laughs> various things. Um, but just be respectful and friendly. Things that you want them to be... Um, fun at times I want to be the fun parent but without just being just the fun parent mm-hmm. um honest and loyal to trustworthy but I would say I'm very disciplined um even though Neil and I are, are on the same page I would say if we had to choose who's most disciplined it would be myself mm-hmm. um and I mean disciplines can be taken in so many different contexts that it's a nasty that you smack or that you you know it's very negative, I think, sometimes can be seen as negative. But for me, it's done me so much, and, and Cameron, justice, mm-hmm. that he has respected and grown with, with discipline. And not just in his parenting-child relationship, but even within his work, mm-hmm. within his own friendships and other families. Um, do you I think mean it's from good to res- show boundaries. Yeah, do you mean from like a respect of authority point of view? Just, um, yeah, respect the authority. Mm-hmm. And um, well, I've said this is what's happening. So if you don't like it, unfortunately, have a think about it. And then, but this is what's happening. Yeah. I think some sometimes you see children or families, and they seem to get away too much. And I think for me, going forward, that just doesn't prove or show them anything mm-hmm. about actual life. Because if they can't just get disciplined and understand that authority matters or their leaders, or their bosses, or whoever's going to be in charge in their growing adult life, then they're not really learning anything. Mm-hmm. doesn't mean that Cam's going to hate me forever, because in fact, he's he's totally respected me, that we he had boundaries, yeah. we've had this conversation. Yeah. He's, he's like the fact that he's been told off for certain things he said as he's got older. I, I should have got told off for that. Yeah. So he knew what was expected of him. Yes, yeah. yeah. Although I've never been a grounding mum, mm-hmm. never grounded Maybe you've not needed to, Claire. No. Yeah. No. 
um, yeah, I suppose fairly strict, but reasonable. And, you know, I feel like my children get what they want with regards to birthdays and Christmas, and they earn Mm -hmm. what they want. Lots of people have said, in fact, I'm so proud to say this, that one of the biggest compliments I have is how well behaved and how much manners Cameron has. Mm -hmm. And that gets you everywhere in life, you know, being Mm -hmm. pleasant and charming and yeah definitely taught them something (laughs) yeah and what about you um parenting style winging it definitely i'm sure you don't oh no it is sure you do but it is more to that it is a bit of winging it and like i think here it's going back to me like our the girls are so young so i don't know what were how will parent as they get older um but I think, you know, we have, I've always had quite a lot of structure in place whenever they were babies, um, like sleep routines and, and mm-hmm. structure from that point of view. Um, but that's not really a parenting style. It was just, it worked for us and the routine mm-hmm. worked for them and worked for, for the girls. I think of anything that I tried to, to kind of get across to them is leading by example. Yeah. You know, so that, you know, they see us behaving in certain ways and, you know, that they will then hopefully follow that or say that that is just the way things are done. You know, for yeah. example, with exercise or eating or phone use or whatever. But but again, like we've not had to deal with any of the teenage things that kind of come along with that. Um, but yeah, that's it's very much winging it. <laughs> Like I, I was never like a. You talked at the beginning a bit about um, like parenting books. I, I, I don't think I ever looked at parenting books. Um, not that did I. No, and I think, I you know, and I have some friends that do and did and benefited from it, but I just don't think I had the time, or really the interest, which sounds awful. No. Um. But I, can... I don't get parenting books, though, because if parenting is so niche to your own individual style and methods and morals and maybe even religion in yeah. some cases, yeah. why would a parenting book, it might well help you, guide yeah. you, and it may be good for sleep patterns, as yeah. you said, like yeah. specialist subjects. Yeah. Yeah. I think we could all have the right to write our own book, What Works for Our Children, mm-hmm. and it's not wrong. Yeah, yeah, because we do. But it's, it's it comes down to being able to listen to ourselves and our gut instinct and you know confident with it and and be confident with that and and knowing ourselves but you know when when we're faced with a difficult situation listening to ourselves is really quite hard um and you know I even draw in parallels with with a lot of my clients that you know there's so much noise going on around health and it's like you know so my friend so-and-so eats this way or my friend so-and-so takes these supplements or my friend so-and-so runs and my friend so-and-so does crossfit and and it's all this you know this is the right way to do things well no it's finding out what the right thing for you is Mm -hmm. um and and then being confident with that yeah um and you know that maybe comes with age you know I think I maybe does but maybe it doesn't because I've question myself more with age you know but I just think because there's so much going on and so many people doing different things in their own style Mm -hmm. even if you're happy and confident and that's the thing I was so happy and confident doing things my way how I used to with Cameron Mm -hmm. that things are 
some things are not even allowed to to happen that way now yeah yeah so yeah. whether i was happy with it you question yourself when you think oh what will i do now mm-hmm. and that could be as things like how you wrap them up in a blanket to go to bed um, or you on your side or your bladder yeah yeah right. temperatures are important now mm-hmm. um even discipline methods yeah. you know yeah yeah all changes yeah yeah but it should it not still come down to your way you know your kids all of our kids are so different and we're all so different too you know Mm -hmm. um what about growing up did you have a were you brought up with a particular parenting style was it similar to kind of how you and Neil parent now? I think it was similar. It wasn't totally alien, but I was speaking to my husband about this too, and we both sort of agreed that, not that he was with me my childhood, <laughs> <laughs> but when I spoke, previously spoke about my parenting, how my mum and dad were, they weren't in any way bad whatsoever, But and they had morals, and they were quite strict, and we had things like, you know, have to sit at the dinner table together, yeah. Some things were quite really strict. Like Christmas time, we'd have a big adults on the table and children had to sit in a separate table in a different room. And if mm-hmm. they'd finished, we couldn't go up to the table because it was adult time. We had to almost put our hand up to speak. So it was a little bit old-fashioned of children don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Now I would like to let my children be involved in conversation, even mm-hmm. age two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, there's things like that I won't be doing. Um I had this horrible strict auntie who I don't speak to, luckily. Um, yeah, she was just so negative about absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. And I think we just don't want to do that, you know. But those negative but experiences stick with well. you too, though, don't they? Sorry? The negative experiences can stick with you and mould you as well as positive oh, ones. Yeah, massively, mm-hmm. massively. Um, so I think morally and behaviour-wise... Yes, a little bit, but sometimes they were stricter. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, not too much different, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did get smacked, though. And I, I look back and I think, I probably deserved that smack. I don't resent my parents whatsoever for that. Yeah. No? Yeah. It was different times as well, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I kind of thought about this as well, and I, well, I can't even really remember which is, I suppose, is a good thing. I definitely, yeah. like, my dad was definitely stricter between, like, him and mum. Like, mum was always kind of the the softer one, I suppose, that, you know, I, like, I can <laughs> never, ever remember my mum raising her voice, which puts so much guilt on me because I'm the one that does it all the time, do you know? <laughs> and then whenever, and like, not to say that dad shouted all the time, like, he definitely didn't, but you knew whenever he was cross and you knew if you'd done something wrong and you didn't want to... You didn't want to do something. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, he, mm-hmm. you know, and if he shouted, you knew, like, like get out of here quickly, kind of thing. Um, which he would hate if he listens to this. He'll hate me saying that. But you know, it's it's true. But mum never raised her voice. Um, I was the opposite. Really, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like growing up. Whenever I was younger, both uh, both my mum and dad worked full time from whenever we were we were really small um, and in, we had um, childminder at the time and I suppose they were my role models just as much as mum and dad um, and they shaped me and I suppose disciplined me 
Um, but I never remember, I don't remember that at all being negative. It was always, um, especially with the first childminder, like she was, but I was really young then. It was up until I think I was about five, she stopped looking after us. Um, but she was just like such a motherly figure. Um, she was wonderful. And then the second lady then looked after us until we were um, kind of teenagers was definitely stricter. Like you knew you knew her her boundaries, you know? Yeah. I don't ever remember um, with Auntie Molly, the first lady that looked after me, I don't ever remember having to think about boundaries with her, but with um, we did have to. And, but not in a bad way, you just knew. Mm-hmm. And I then again, I think that was an age thing because we were much older. I've got two younger brothers, but we were much older. So she would have had to have disciplined us. You know, she was bringing us home from school and, you know, getting our homework done and that kind of thing. So it, we would have had to have different structure then. Yeah. You no. Know? That's the thing. I think children like structure. Uh-huh. I think you know? if we do as people, it's kind of quite... It's comforting, yeah. almost. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you find is the hardest, most difficult part of being a parent? Um, I think when they're ill, mm. if I could take away or have all their illness or all mm. their bugs, I would. I would have yeah. that just because you just don't know how ill they're feeling and you just feel useless and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I hate that. And I hate seeing Cameron unwell or Poppy mm-hmm. with her husband, but I just mm-hmm. don't like that in that bubble. Um, I think it's when they're having tantrums again because, and I say they, when Cameron used to have a tantrum, he rarely, probably once ever in his life, to be honest, but Poppy's had enough for everyone, I think. (laughs) Um, Again, you know that she's frustrated about something, but if only you wish she could articulate what's wrong or just give herself a breath to tell me, I get a sort of panic, upset, anxious, and, oh, I want to help you, but then calm down, tell me what's wrong. Yeah, I think that's one of the worst things. I think with Cameron, I guess what I worry with, about him and I find the hardest is because he's at an age where he's, you know, ready to spread his wings and very close to age where I had him. Mm-hmm. Um, I worry about him finding his feet in his world and he's itching to just travel again. The first thing he did from school was to go to Austria, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um and he is so ambitious that way, and I'm so proud that he is. And independent. But there's still a little niggle in me thinking, oh, we'll be okay. He's still my firstborn, and I can't ever stop him. I really tell him about fear. Mm-hmm. Just just say what I guess every mum says, just be careful, be careful. Mm-hmm. And I know he'll say, yes, mum, you know, <laughs> but it's always a fear that he, you know, it's the hardest thing to do is to trust that they'll be okay and to trust and have confidence that his next step in the real life is going to be a good move. Yeah. yeah. But you've brought him up in a way that he is independent. Like that in itself is something to be proud of. But hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still hard. Yeah. No matter how proud you feel or happy of your final product, you know, you're still thinking there's so much influences out there in the world. There's so many things. And as we, as we grow up, you know, we're, we've all been faced with that ourselves. I know that he's coming to that age and he's just going to be, if that makes sense, you know, he's just going to be on his own. Almost like up until now that you've been able to protect him, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And speak to him a lot. Yeah, that you're there for him if he's got problems, you know, you know, he just needs to come to you. And and that's not going to change whenever he goes away. But, you know, there is that element of that 
you can't always protect him whenever he's not there. Yeah, and I know I have to let that go, mm -hmm. you know, because yeah. I can't, I do, can relate to that, making mum, she will say things like, be careful driving. Yeah. <laughs> I've driven for 20 odd years now and I'm fine, but I know where that's coming yeah, from. It used to annoy me, or she'd say, put this scarf when you'll get cold, yeah. you know, in front of friends. And I know mum, you know. Here, the last time, I think it was the last time I was over at mum and dad's, I went out for a run. And I said to mum, I would be like an hour, an hour and 15 minutes. And I think I was like closer to two hours because I ended up going longer. And yeah. I came in and she was like, oh, I was so worried. Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, like I was away for a run. Um, and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, and it made me think, like I had to stop myself from saying, like, will you wise up? I was just out for a run because it was yeah. still that kind of mum protection mentality. Like if I'd been you for... You never lose that. No, if I'd been for a two hour run here, she would never have known. And she would not have thought anything of it. But it was a fact that I'd said to her, like, I'll be an hour and a half. And, and I didn't, I wasn't back yeah. whenever I said I would be. Well, I'd be exactly the same <laughs> with Cam. If he puts the time to it, and now because we have our, our phones, yeah. I think, well, why don't you text me? Why don't you let me know? And if yeah. it's past that time, I start panicking, yeah. which is silly because you yeah. wouldn't have years but ago. But it's ingrained in you as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. You only <laughs> realise that once you actually have kids. Um. When when you have had a hard parenting day, so when maybe say when Poppy's had a hard day, what do you do for yourself um, to kind of manage that or to feel better? What you mean at like the end of the day? Yeah. Um, I think it depends because we've had various different hard days, whether that be she's ill or we're not quite sure what's wrong with her mm -hmm. or she's just been tantrum or just been a madam. Yeah. I think as time goes on, we know how to deal with it and we're not so anxious. So we'll sit and we'll talk about it together. But I think mostly we get together and we talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that's good. And I think that's helped me and him to sort of almost not counsel each other, but how's that made you feel? What do you think it is? What do you think it stemmed from? Yeah. So by sort of diluting it, you know, and dissecting it, sure, sorry, the whole day, it makes us plan or expect the next one mm -hmm. and not be so bothered by it mm -hmm. and then I never really fancy relaxing or having a glass of wine or because I think it does stress me out mm -hmm. so if it's a bad day I think usually we have a little chat and then I just want to go to my bed because it's tired me out yeah, reset the day again yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah. then what about you um I don't I think Talking about it, yes. Um, I'm definitely the talker between the two of us to kind of get it out and open and talk about it. Um, doing even 20 minutes yoga, usually time to myself. It's getting time to myself to kind of reset. Mm -hmm. And even even 20 minutes on the yoga mat, I can feel so much better. And exactly the same, just put on my run and stuff and go out for a run. Within 10 minutes, it's almost... I, I kind of file everything away and sort it out. Yeah. Um, and kind of that's kind of my go-to. Like I can leave the house in a real, like oh everybody's just driving me crazy. And after five minutes or ten minutes of a run, it's almost like the switch has just been flicked, and I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, that's okay. You know, mm. it's so strange. Um, that's good. You've recognised that mm -hmm. that's what you need to do to but, get yourself back. But for everybody, like you know, even sometimes like even the girls will say to me, like they can always feel it in me, sense it in me, 
do you want to go for a run, mummy? Okay. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like them saying, we know you're, you're a tipping point here. It's not really bad. Um, but then whenever I come back, I, I've kind of sorted it all out in my head. And most of the time, like when we have um, difficult days, it tends mm-hmm. to be because I haven't slept or I am stressed about something or I am hormonal or, do you know, like it's it's very rarely them. It's usually me. And, yeah, you or know, how you perceive the situation. Yeah, and yeah. like, you know, they, yeah, they may be arguing or yeah, they may be whatever. But in my head, I'm like, well, you stop doing that. And mm-hmm. it's like, they're not being any different than normal. It's just my my mm-hmm. whole emotions of how I'm feeling. And then I can exactly. reflect that onto them. And it's then stopping yourself. What I have to do is I have to stop myself. And so that self-talk of actually what's going on here is not them, it's you go mm-hmm. you know go for a run or take mm-hmm. it, you know honestly sometimes I've seen myself just walking out of the room and just breathing for five the kind of five deep breaths and then going back into the situation again and then just managing it totally differently and it's if I can mm-hmm. kind of catch that mm-hmm. um then, that method uh, I think could apply to any relationship with your husband mm-hmm. it could take especially in lockdown when there's so many little niggly bits or you're just tired and exhausted one another or just not sure of the unknown. Yeah. There could be just one more wet towel on the floor, yeah. <laughs> and then you go and you yeah. rally, yeah. and then you think, oh, actually, you know, it's because I'm tired. It's yeah. just affected me much more. So it can apply, I suppose, to but relationships, other relationships, but also kind of work situations as well. You know, so mm-hmm. something that's happened. If you are, say, you have had a sleepless night because you've been up during the night with kids or not kids, or you're worrying about something, or you know health or family or what or you know the list is endless that then a conversation with a colleague you may take a different way than they intended it to and Mm -hmm. in your head it escalates into something much bigger now if you react in the way that you're feeling in that situation in that stressed response you may not be reacting in the way that you want to and by just taking yourself away from the situation for a couple of minutes taking a few deep breaths and replying to emails you know um my mum gave me uh some uh, like what's the word i can't even think about what the word is but i remember mum saying to me oh a good year or so ago that in her whole career she didn't ever press send in an email without rereading it first to make sure and now my mum is um has worked her whole life in communications so um is very aware of how what she what the verbal language and written language and everything can come across but yeah and she'd said like so many people write reactive emails and will mm-hmm. just feel a certain way, write an email the way that they're feeling, but it's not necessarily the way they want to get across. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that was something that kind of has always stuck with me of like the same with text messages. Like if you are feeling a certain way, if you are feeling that kind of stressed way, read in it first to make sure that you're sending it in the way that you want it to be understood mm-hmm. from the other person. That's and a very sensible way of looking at it and, and trying to do that. Mm-hmm. I know that I haven't done that with regards to text messages in the past and mm-hmm. falling out with friends even, you know, mm-hmm. because you take that text wrong because you're feeling annoyed. Yeah. And then react to that. Yeah. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah but it's very good. <laughs> you can do that. Um, kind of uh, 
that brings me on. We're kind of coming to the end of the chat, but I wanted to ask you, have you got any books or any resources or anything regarding parenting that you have read recently or not even parenting? It could be kind of our counselling books or anything that you've kind of brought in to you as a parent. You know, I haven't, <laughs> not at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really believe personally mm-hmm. in reading books about various things because yeah. I Google a lot of things yeah. and maybe that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Um, and it's so bad. I do know lots of people that will have a book about various things and yeah. stages of within parenting. Yeah. But I just think things are a phase or... Yeah, so I just speak a lot. I just ask questions to lots of people. Uh-huh. What do you think about this? And I just don't agree with books yeah. on certain things yeah. what about you i am um, i've read a couple recently that are not necessarily parenting books they're more books about us and how then that can affect our children okay. um and one of them is the one that do you remember the goldie hawn one that i told you about yeah ages ago um and it is called um 10 minute mindfulness so it's mainly just a mindfulness book Um, Mm -hmm. And it's giving our children and ourselves the skill to reduce stress and anxiety for healthier, happier lives. Now, what I really enjoyed about that was it's mainly just a a mindfulness book, but it then explains how you can um, bring in mindfulness into the family and and with children as well and explain the responses that in in a way they they write it in a way that helps you explain the stress response to children okay. so um they talk about um our amygdala um in our brain which is kind of the control center the reactive center as being like our guard dog um and when we're in a stress situation our guard dog senses that alert and then you know that then creates the, the sympathetic nervous system and mm-hmm. in, in normal talk but for children, when we kind of can explain to them, like you've got a guard dog that is kind of looking after you, but but that guard dog senses fear. But sometimes in situations, the guard dog is telling you that it's fearful, but there's not mm-hmm. act, it's not actually a fearful situation. So your body feels fear, um, but it's not that a fearful situation. So say, for example, a sp- seeing a spider or like a dog so like Nia whenever she was much younger um got scared by a dog just running past her didn't nothing happen but she just got fright now then she got um really scared of dogs dogs coming anywhere near her she would just lose it but whenever I was like whenever she was old enough that I could kind of start to explain to her what was going on in her body whenever she saw the dog and then I was explaining to her that her guard dog is telling her look this is a really scary situation then I was able to explain to her um, about mindfulness techniques and breathing and they do a lot in school so I was able to kind of relate that back to her calming down her guard dog so what she's doing by her breathing exercises is telling her guard dog this situation is not that scary so her body's not reacting in that sympathetic Mm -hmm. response Um, so it's definitely not a parenting book but it's really interesting way of talking about mindfulness and bringing that into yeah, that um, sounds it. with kids and mm-hmm. um, yeah sorry I was gonna say I suppose when you put it like that when we've we've read many books with regards to counseling in our, in our uni mm-hmm. um and person-centered approach to with regards to counseling and listening mm-hmm. I suppose I've put these skills onto my children and I've listened more yeah 
instead of trying to talk over them or tell them yeah. what they should feel, giving them advice, I've made them come to their own, yeah. you know, decisions and, well, when I say you know, Cameron, but and I'll try and do the same to Poppy. Mm-hmm. So I suppose those types of books with regards to counselling has had massive benefits and impacts mm-hmm. on how, you know, relationship, not just parenting, yeah. but listening is so important and to give people space and, yeah, to understanding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Them more. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. That, that gets, I feel the same way about the course too. Um, I got a book for the girls a couple of weeks ago that's called The World Needs More Purple People. Um, and it's written by Kristen Bell, um, the actress. And it's really good. It's um, just telling kids, I don't want to spoil it, but it's it's written for children but mm-hmm. it's to, it's encouraging them to like pur- what purple what purple people do is purple people laugh, purple people use their voice to ask questions, mm-hmm. um and it's very much about like purple people believe in themselves and and kind of that it's just it's a really lovely book, um so that's called the world needs more purple people and then the last book that I wanted to kind of mention that I have been kind of dipping in and out of is called called the conscious parent which is transforming ourselves and empowering our children. Have you ever heard of that before? I think I've heard of yeah. it. Yeah. It's by Dr. Shefali, I think is, is her is her name. Um but it's again kind they're of they're the kind of books I would read. Yeah. Yeah. They're <laughs> not, not like they're not like this yeah. is what to do. But what, what she talks about in the book is very much like what we've kind of spoken about is that our reactions are kind to, to certain situations are embedded in us. And she mm. talks about kind of how to be a, a good parent is to actually be aware of the way that we react. And a lot of the time, a lot of the time it is unconscious. Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes back to kind of the self-awareness and things that we're obviously doing in the course as well. And, and um, it's kind of like questioning yourself, like, why are you feeling like this? And, um, you know, why are you, are you putting yourself on to your children? Um, or mm-hmm. are you letting them be themselves and, yeah. and that kind of thing so um, yeah it's really interesting so that sounds it. I think you'd That's enjoy good. reading that as well um, so thank you for today we've again spoken for 45 minutes we always try to keep this about half an hour but I don't see we never manage it's such a big subject <laughs> well yeah. it is and we've only we've only kind of hit the, the, the kind of the surface of it but it's in, it's been interesting Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed it definitely. <laughs> so next week, what are we going to chat about next week? So I was thinking of what a good subject might be is about peer pressure, uh-huh. body image, yeah. um, and how it maybe affected us as we've grown up, and what we see it now, and how it might affect our children going forward, yeah, and maybe how we might react to it. So I think that's quite a big, yeah. big subject. Fab, I look forward to it. Excellent. Thank you. you. I will speak to you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye.